Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us. We have a lot to go over today. We will get into all of the NFL action, of course, but we have to start talking a little bit about baseball. And we are, are going to have a very special guest coming up. Frank Thomas joined me. And look, we're going to talk a little bit about who he believes is the World Series winners and things like that. But I want to kind of set the stage here talking a little Major League Baseball and what we're entering here. Because as you start to enter the playoffs, the, you know, the adage, especially going into this weekend and going into this weekend is going to be pretty massive. Going into this weekend, what is everyone going to be saying? Well, this team has to win, right? That's always the conversation. Well, they have to win. Well, you know, oftentimes when a team has to win, they don't win. I mean, that's just reality. Um, the Red Sox did it with the with the Orioles earlier this week. Sometimes when you have to win, you don't always win. And, and that is something that we really have to pay attention to as sports bettors and be very cautious that we don't get caught up in the uh-oh kind of factor. The, well, they had to win, so I bet them because they had to win. Now, teams, teams often have to win. They have to win, and then they don't come away with a victory. You also have to understand the nature of the sports betting world walking into this weekend. The public, which means the sports books are going to adjust to this, the public is very well aware of what teams have to win. So there's going to be a juiced up price. Just for an example, um, earlier this week on Wednesday, Nate Evaldi and the Boston Red Sox were playing Baltimore, and Nate Evaldi opened up for the sportsbooks at minus 235 and minus 240 across the board. By the mid-afternoon, it was up to 260, 265, and the game went off into the 280 range in some spots because people are going, Red Sox have to win. Now, I'm not telling you it's the right side or the wrong side, but we have to understand why plays are being made. Now, you could bring this over all sports, but since we have a baseball playoff weekend, that's what I'm kind of trying to take some onus of here and some some representation of what is going on in the world of sports betting when you're turning around and you're saying, okay, this team has to win, so I'm going to bet them. Well, everybody believes that. You know, everybody thinks that, and nobody believes that there's going to be an upset late in the season. So it's something to pay attention to. Now, we know the jumbled mess that is the wild card in the American League. The National League still has a lot to be figured out. You know, look, Atlanta has kind of separated themselves. We know it. Milwaukee, St. Louis are in the playoffs. By the way, if you haven't noticed, St. Louis, just I know the 17 games in a row is astonishing. It is astonishing. But if they would have like two more weeks, I think they catch Milwaukee. I, I really do. Um, and then you have San Francisco, LA, which is still to be determined at this point. But we also have the shakeup. And this is what I wanted to talk about getting into kind of the wild card card mindset for the teams that still have an opportunity. You're starting to look and you're starting to have a conversation. Look, the National League is settled, right? Um, as far as the wild card goes. 
But in the American League starting out of a conversation, it could be him, it could be them, it could be this, it could be that, it could be that. And you start to almost have to start to look at home field advantage, right? So the New York Yankees are 45 and 33 uh, midweek here. 45 wins at home, 33 losses. Boston has played more home games. They're 49 and 32. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays have had three different homes this year. They're 43 and 32. You go to a team like Seattle, I don't think they could get home field, but 44 and 33. So they're all very, very good home teams. We know that. But they're also really good away teams. There's nobody with those gigantic splits here. You know, Yankees on Wednesday had 45 wins at home, 45 wins away for their 90 wins. You know, Boston, Boston's only a tad better on the road. They're only about, you know, two, three games better on the road. So maybe that's a team you, you kind of take a look at and you go, all right, that the road tilt could hurt them more than anybody else. But there's not these drastic, ridiculous splits. But moving forward, let's talk about who does have a drastic, ridiculous split. Well, how about the Chicago White Sox? The White Sox who have won 50 games at home, but they were under 500 this week on the road. They were under 500, guys. This is a Central Division winner. This is a 90-win team that can't win away from home. And you're talking about the White Sox, and I see so many people going out there and investing into the White Sox. You're talking about betting on a White Sox team that flat out, look, flat out, the Chicago White Sox guys play in the worst division in baseball. The Twins are garbage. The Royals are garbage. Detroit's garbage. And Cleveland's barely not garbage, right? They're, they're, they're almost 500. The White Sox play in a division with all sorts of garbage surrounding them. Meanwhile, they can't have an away winning record. That's concerning. That's a serious problem when we're talking about these drastic splits. But it doesn't only happen there. Because in a weird situation, in a weird world, the Atlanta Braves are only one game over 500 at home. But the Atlanta Braves sit just a ridiculous double-digit 11-12 games away over 500. Atlanta's a road team. Atlanta's ready to go on the road in the playoffs, and they're ready to prove something. At home, they're barely over 500. Take that in comparison to the team that was chasing them most of the year, which is the Philadelphia Phillies. Philly dominates at home, 47 wins at home, uh, 47 wins at home outside of the NL West is the best, the most wins, the best record of the East and the Central. I mean, they dominate. They're getting crushed on the road, guys. Eight, nine games under 500 on the road. Ridiculous splits there. That's something to pay attention to. Milwaukee's very similar. Look, Milwaukee has a lot of home wins. Milwaukee is tremendously talented away. They have the second most away wins to San Francisco in the entire National League. So road doesn't matter to them. Being on the road home, it doesn't matter. Same thing with St. Louis. Look, St. Louis is is going to maybe get to like 90 wins, but they're about 10, 11 games over 500 at home, 10, 11 games over 500 on the road. They're fine. San Francisco is the same way. The Dodgers are clearly better at home, but they're kind of in the same vein. So from a National League perspective, don't fear the Atlanta Braves having to go on the road. They're going to have to, you know, the way that this is shaking out, they're going to have to win games on the road, obviously. 
Uh, this is a team that has no problem going on the road and winning. And I think people are underestimating what Atlanta could do. I know everyone's looking at Milwaukee because Milwaukee has the starting pitching, and absolutely they do. But their starting pitching has started to fall over the last month or so. Their bullpen is a little taxed and banged up, and they can't hit. St. Louis, we all look at St. Louis. They won 17 games in a row. They're dominating. Look at what they're they're doing. But again, they're vulnerable because as much as I like guys like Adam Wainwright and as much as I like guys like John Lester, they, they do have some blow-up games in the middle of this. So how is the team going to react? Look, Yankees won 13 games in a row, and then they look like garbage afterwards. How is St. Louis going to react? They're eventually going to lose a game here. How do they bounce back? You have San Francisco, who... 100-plus wins. You got the Dodgers, 100-plus wins. People are overlooking this Atlanta team. An Atlanta team that would not have made the playoffs if they played in the Central, would not have made the playoffs if they made it were in the West, but they are going to get in, and they're road warriors. The team I would worry about the most in the American League is the, the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox are a team that... They were gifted this division. They won this division a long time ago. It felt like they had this secured in like June. Everyone's on top of the White Sox. They actually have some pressure on them because they're supposed to win. The White Sox, the White Sox, the White Sox. And I look at it and I go, they can't win on uh, on the road. You're a game under 500 on the road in this pathetic division. And you got to look at the likes of facing Houston, facing Tampa, Facing, you know, Yankees or Red Sox or Toronto or even, you know, you're facing big time competition and you're going to have to go and play and win in these big time places. I don't know if the White Sox can do that. I'm worried about them and I'm worried about the White Sox. That's why I want to bring on former White Sox, the Big Hurt, uh, Frank Thomas, for a little bit of an interview. Let's listen to that right now. All right, everybody, welcome back. Tom Barton here with Frank Thomas, the big hurt or the big consistent. Seven straight seasons, 20 plus home runs, 100 RBIs, 100 walks, 300 average. I mean, the guy was just fantastic. Frank, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful, Tom. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about um, before we get, get into really all of the baseball that I, I have a couple of questions for you is we know that you're joining us today in a partnership with Valorux. Uh, Varilux, V-A-R-I-L-U-X.com. Tell us a little bit about that. The Varilux uh, relationship is going well. It's been a few months now, and uh, they helped me to get progressive length glasses. I wear something that I never worried about because I was a 22 envision guy playing the game of baseball. But around 45, and I noticed started when I picked up my phone, I couldn't see the text messages as well. Uh, all, the, all the apps I used, I couldn't see as well. Newspapers, menus at restaurants, so... Uh, I knew something was wrong. It kind of scared me at first, but I went to the doctor and he told me I had presbyopia, which normally happens after 40 years old. Lucky I left to 45 and not right at 40, but uh, my vision totally changed. And, uh, you know, this, this partnership with Verilux has really, you know, inc- increased my vision and really helped me because uh, it was down a bad path. But now these progressive lenses have really helped my vision and I'm doing well now. And they're pretty stylish. Well, that's a big key now. It, it really is. You got to have that, right? Uh, Frank, let's exactly. ask. That's I'm on TV. I got to be stylish, man. You know how that goes. <laughs> Absolutely. Frank, I got to ask you about the White Sox, right? I mean, you're you're a White Sox guy. Um, there are a lot of people just excited about this team. Preseason, they were excited about this team. They dealt with injuries, uh, the questionable managing early on. Oh, we don't like them. It all came together for them. But in the grand scheme of things, do you think that 
their product of their division has a lot to do with. I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox would be right in, in the hunt for first place in that division. Do you think that that's going to hurt them going forward in the playoffs, that they play just such weak competition all year long? Well, you, you look at it, and uh, with all the injuries, new manager Tony Roots was a complete winner his whole career. Um, I'm not surprised because of the talent on that team. But uh, the injuries made it very interesting. You had guys that step up off the bench like Brian Goodwin, um, Louis, Louis Garcia, uh, guys that, that played prominent roles. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, who's uh, a true rookie, came in and you know played a big part. So no one expected those guys. Billy Hamilton, no one expected those guys. You know to, to play such great baseball and really help make this team a winner. But Tony, you know he he, he crossed all the all the T's and dotted all the I's, and he back winning the division with a team that was expected, but. No one believed that the way that the starting pitchers stepped up and became overnight heroes for the team. Frank, how uh, how about the argument that we're having now? And, and I think it's kind of been settled, uh, but I feel like people already settled it in July, and that's Otani or Vlad. Look, Vlad's fallen off the last couple of days. Um, you know, he's not going to get the triple crown, but the conversation is definitely there between Vlad, who's a playoff contender, Otani, who's doing things that we've never seen, but his team is not a playoff team. He's batting 250 or 255 or so. You know, I'm a guy that says, you know what? I wasn't decided in July. I think Otani wins it, but I'm I'm taking Vlad for what he's done. Where do you stand in it? I think it's going to be extremely close, but don't forget Salvador Perez, my friend. Uh, catch it, catch it over 120 games and had 46 home runs, I think around 116 RBI uh, with a great average. So I, you know, it could go three ways for me. You know, if you add several grids to the, to the, to the mix, um, Vlad, what he's done has been tremendous. The 22 year old putting up the numbers he's put up is prodigious. Um, I think he still has an outside chance if he finds a way this week to have a big six game and help Toronto Blue Jays get into the playoffs. They're one game behind the uh, Yankees and the, and the Red Sox. He can have a big week. So they play the Yankees uh, head-to-head the next three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If he has a big series there with another big series to close out the weekend, he could win the league MVP. Even though we all know Shohei Tani is the front runner because we've never seen a pitcher and a hitter excel at this level. Tom Bard on the phone with Frank Thomas, the big hurt. Uh, Frank, I don't ask easy questions. This is going to be a tough one for you. If you had to take one guy, one young stud, is it Vlad, is it Acuna, or is it Tatis? Ooh, I just think baseball is in good hands. I really wouldn't take one over the other because I think three of these guys could be future Hall of Famers. Uh, they're still on the right path and they stay focused. So, um, you know, I, I really like what they all bring to the game. I think I think Brad um, brings something a little different because he's that middle of the lineup guy. He can plug him in every day and he's going to make something happen. It will, it'll, go, it'll get pissed around his entire career because this guy can hit home runs. He can hit, you know, for average and do things other people can't do. And the injury thing worries me with Tatis a little bit. Yeah, and, and Acuna, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love all these kids. I think they're all future Hall of Famers if they stay focused and not get caught up in their own thing. Frank, one last question for you. Um, you know, the baseball atmosphere and really sports atmosphere has completely changed recently with the new betting partnerships and uh, uh, sports betting just being out in the open and getting legalized. And now you see it at every game you go to. I, look, I love it. I, I'm This is my business. I, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. I like what they're doing, but I do understand the people that are nervous about it. I, I get their concerns because there is some bit of nervousness. How do you feel about the sports betting being such a prominent part of baseball now? Part of every sport, though, not just baseball. Uh, uh, sports betting is just is ruling the world right now. You see so many different sports apps, betting apps uh, from the major casinos, small casinos, small betting companies. So, uh, sports betting is here and it's here to stay. 
Um, it's up to the players to just stay focused and not be a part of it. And uh, just, just think of it as someone on Twitter saying you're going to win a game or you're going to lose a game. That's basically what it is. So uh, it's up to the players to stay focused and stay out of it because that's where the problem can lie. If these better start getting to the players. Frank, I lied. I have one more question because I can't let you go without getting your World Series winner. Who's the matchup? Who's the winner? At this point, I'm, I'm still, I, I still think the Dodgers are going to win this thing somehow. Um, I like the White Sox chances, um, but they've been so up and down over the last three months. Uh, there's not a lot of light switch there. And I think the Dodgers just are just heavily talented with experienced players that have been in October. I mean, the White Sox, if the pitching staff steps back up like they pitched the first half, they got a legitimate shot. I think if you watch those two teams, I think, I think I'm think i still going to call it. I'm going to call the White Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series. That'll be a good matchup. That'll be a great matchup. Frank, thank you for all your time. It's Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. Go check him out it's, and check out the product because we have a partnership today. Varilux, V-A-R-I-L-U-X.com. Frank told us all about it in the beginning. Frank, thank you so much for all your time today. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me, my friend. Have a good one. All right, guys, thank you again to Frank Thomas. And look, you heard what he said about the White Sox, right? He's going to be a homer. He's going to pick him to go to the World Series. But I hear that a lot. Don't just throw that down on Frank Thomas. I hear a lot of people going with the White Sox. A lot of people are pounding that table with the White Sox. They concern me. I like their talent. I get their starting rotation. I love their bullpen. I like their coach. I like a lot about the White Sox, but they worry me. They're a massively public bet team right now. Sports bettors across the country are lining up to go bet the White Sox, and the White Sox inability to win on the road it just stands out at me. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. We're going to go over week four in the NFL. That's on deck right after this wagering week. I'm Tom Barton. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about what are the odds and go to the college ranks because not only is everybody looking at, well, you know, who's going to win the Heisman, but what about next year? It's never too early to look at next year. So I'm looking at the first overall 2022 NFL draft pick and their odds. Spencer Rattler leads the way at 2-1. to one. Sam Howell is still plus 250. You look at Malik Willis, plus 750. Keaton Slovis, 14 to 1. You look at JT Daniels rising in the list. He was 16 to 1. He's at 14 to 1 now. Derek Singletary, he is 16 to 1. Desmond Ritter was 33 to 1. He's all the way down to 25 to 1. And that right now is your first overall 2022 NFL draft pick selections. There's a lot of football to play, but that is what are the odds? And there's a lot of football to play. But it is interesting to see how people, especially in the college ranks, kind of just jump off of guys so quickly. All right, you know what? He was great, and now we're done. (laughs) Now we're done. All right, let's take a look at week four. We're going to kind of blast through this year. Stats, trends, analysis. Let's see what we got. All right, first of all, Thursday night, Jaguars, Bengals. uh, Jaguars are 0-3. Bengals are 2-1. This is interesting. You know, the Bengals are... Finally dealing with some success, and they have an inflated line here. It's seven and a half. That's a big line for the Bengals. National TV game short week, but they looked good last week. Cincinnati also is going to hold its first ever Ring of Honor ceremony, so the crowd's going to be pumped up. Emotions are going to be high. You know, 
we look at the Cincinnati offensive line and everyone was blaming Joe Burrow and he looked bad in the first two games. He was sacked nine times, but against Pittsburgh, albeit banged up, um, great performance, clean performance. Joe Burrow was not sacked. And that is the biggest thing with this team. Cincinnati can be a playoff team. Yes, I said it. The Cincinnati Bengals can be a wild card team, but you got to keep Joe Burrow clean. And they did that last week. Cincinnati, by the way, they're 6-2 and two against the spread the last eight home games. Lawrence has turned the ball over seven times for the first three, three weeks. And, and look, he looks he looks bad. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. He looks bad, but I like his reaction. You know what? We're getting better. We're going to be okay. And Jacksonville sort of hung in there a little bit last week. You know, sort of hung in there a little bit. And, and I like the Cincinnati kind of game plan, what they did. Look, I think Cincinnati wins this game. Uh, it is the Ring of Honor ceremony. It's a national TV game. But I'm not ready. Look, maybe I'll be left in the dust here. I'm not ready to say that the Cincinnati Bengals should be giving a more than a touchdown to anybody in this league. Anybody in this league. So I'm not quite there. I'll tell you who should be giving more than a touchdown. And that is the New York Jets. They're getting seven and a half against the Titans in a weird line. You know, if this line would have opened up at like 11, I would have felt better about it. An 11 line I feel good about. Right now, you're sitting back and you go, I don't know, seven and a half? Why? Why is it seven and a half? Well, look, the Titans' defense is garbage, but the Jets' offense is, is awful. In the first three weeks, Jets have lost by a total of 50 points. I mean, they're getting crushed. Tennessee's 5-1 straight-up record over the last six games away from home, so they travel really well. Uh, we know the Jets. They are bad. But I see some things. Look, Wilson is not terrible, and and he's making some bad decisions here and there. Look, he made bad decisions against a defensive genius that many consider the greatest of all time in Bill Belichick. Outside of that, I see some talent here. The problem is that the Jets are missing a left tackle, okay? And last week, I told you guys Von Miller was li- would live in the backfield. This week, I'm telling you that watch out for Harold Landry here. If you have a prop bet on him getting a sack, yeah, I'm betting that. The Jets losing Becton is a massive blow. That means Wilson's going to have to create. The Titans' defense is bad, so I can't lay 7.5 with total comfort. But this is one of those games where you go, it almost seems too easy. I know it's going to be a survivor pull pick, but it almost seems, yeah, it's in one of those spots now where it's almost too easy. How about Chiefs-Eagles? The Chiefs don't cover, and now they're losing, and their defense looks bad, and their running game looks shoddy. I talked about this, and the Chiefs are giving six and a half again. Nobody cares. On the road to the Eagles. I talked about this before the season began, and I got pushback, and I got people writing us over on Twitter, over at Sports Garden, saying, Tom, you're a hater. You hate Kansas City. Look, it had nothing to do with that. I'm a I'm a big Andy Reid fan. I, I like Patrick Mahomes. I, I love Travis Kelsey. He's on every fantasy team, right? In the first round, by the way. So I like the Chiefs. But I think it's very difficult for a team to kind of climb that mountain three times. And now we know that the Chiefs cleaned things up. They went out. They got offensive line. They cleaned up their offensive line in the offseason. Well, that's all fine and great. But they didn't do certain things that they needed to do. Meaning... They didn't get that third receiver. If they shut down Tyreek Hill, which teams, by the way, the last two weeks have completely shut down Tyreek. Shut down Tyreek Hill. Um, that means you're you're hoping that Kelsey doesn't just completely blow you out, but you're not worried about anybody else on this offense. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has always been a question mark for me. That's a concern if you can't run the ball, especially in an Andy Reid offense. You can't run the ball. I'm worried. And their defense is shoddy. The Chief, look, the Chiefs haven't covered. They're 0-3 against the spread. They're below 500 right now. They're 0-4 in their last four games as a favorite. 
one in five in their last six as a road favorite, and their defense has allowed 95 points this season. The Chiefs don't look like the Chiefs. With that said, they are coming off of a loss. With that said, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you know what you're getting in him. Travis Kelsey should abuse this Eagles team. They can't handle the the tight ends. And I'm telling you, the Eagles are coming off of a short week, an emotional game over Dallas. And you could tell me, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is flushing a number two, whatever the hell he said. Oh, that's great. Yeah, nice job, Jalen Hurts. But I just didn't see it. You know, you have a first-round draft pick that was the Heisman Trophy winner last year, and you're just not looking to him. You're not looking to him in a blowout game where you have to throw. Jalen Rieger might be a burner, but does that make you excited, anybody out there? Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are nice, but they don't have weapons, and Jalen Hurts isn't finding the weapons. I cannot take the Eagles here, but I'm telling you that the Kansas City Chiefs have covered four games since last October. Four times. They don't cover games. So this is a tough one. I think think the Chiefs probably win, but maybe they don't go and cover the spread once again. Panthers, Cowboys. Panthers are 3-0. Cowboys are 2-1. Let me tell you something. This is the against the spread darlings. Both of these teams have covered the spread in every single game this year. The Cowboys emphatically on Monday night did it. Again, in a game where Dak Prescott didn't look particularly good. Ezekiel Elliott did. The Panthers looked fantastic. They get extra red. This was the this is a situation as a sports handicapper. I circled and I said, man, I'm gonna be all over the Panthers. I'm taking them no matter what. Panthers had 10 days off. They're traveling to the Cowboys. Everyone's gonna watch the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Everyone like already pre-bets the Cowboys. People love it. Here we go. I think Matt Rule has the extra time. But they lost Christian McCaffrey. They also lost their starting cornerback. They also lost another defensive player. Those injuries are so alarming. They had to make a trade this week and trade their starting tight end, Dan Arnold, who's actually pretty good. And by the way, we don't get to say Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold anymore. So there goes that. Uh, But they trade him for a corner because they need somebody. Somebody they have to go out there and get. So all of a sudden, the four and a half, five points that I was getting with the Panthers doesn't look as attractive. It doesn't feel like it's I'm getting value here because of what happened. Now Dallas is six and one against the spread in their last six. Uh, you look at the Panthers six and zero oh against the spread in their last six games are a road dog. Against the spread numbers are favorable to both of these teams. I think that Ezekiel Elliott's going to struggle running the ball against this number one ranked rush defense in the NFL. And that's who the Panthers are. I still believe that this has to be Dak to win this game, and he's going up against a depleted defensive backfield. I'm not sure that Schubert Hubbard can run this offense, and I like Sam Darnold, but I liked Sam Darnold when he had Christian McCaffrey as his outlet pass. In every way, as a handicapper, I want the Panthers here. In every way. But the injuries have to be included in this, and the injuries just have me a little afraid. Talking about outside forces instead of just X's and O's, the next game pops up. The Saints are now minus eight at home against the Giants. And I say at home because this is an emotional game for the Saints. This is the first time they're coming back to the Superdome following Hurricane Ida. Look, they had three games in a row on the road. That's kind of why I liked the Patriots last week, and I was wrong, is because this team played in Jacksonville. They haven't had a home game yet, so they're going to be back. That place is going to be loud. It's going to be emotional. Return. And, oh, by the way, the Giants just lost their best defensive player, middle linebacker Blake Martinez. He's out. Martinez out for the season. He had four straight years of 140 or more tackles. 
This guy was fantastic. So the Giants are depleted defensively and now have to go take on a New Orleans team. He's going to be absolutely pumped up. The Giants, by the way, over the last seven games are two and five against the spread. The Saints, they're 10 and four in the last 14 against the spread numbers are there. And then you look at, at Daniel Jones. He was He's going to have to attack, right? They're going to try to take away Saquon Barkley. He's going to have to attack downfield. Daniel Jones has attempted a downfield pass on 5.7% of his 2021 attempts. Look, it's the lowest in the NFL. Lowest in the NFL. It's about half of what he did last year, which was the eighth lowest in the league anyway. Jason Garrett has made Daniel Jones a check down passer. I look at this game and I go, there's no way you could bet the Giants. I'm not sure I'm ready to bet Jameis Winston in a spot like this, especially because Saquon started looking better. Kenny Galladay's getting a little healthy, uh, but there's no way you could bet the Giants in this spot, not after what we watched last week. All right, guys, Browns, Vikings, this is a good one. This is a good one between two teams, two and one, one and two, but Vikings feel like they could be three and oh. The Browns, they're like, you know what? <laughs> we really got lucky in some spots, but we still feel like we're three and oh. We should have beat the Chiefs in week one. And you look at this Cleveland team who has had defensive problems up until last week and then just went absolutely crazy last week. The Bears were an embarrassment, but the Browns led to that. This is a pick line for a reason. Vikings, 2-1 against the spread, even though they're 1-2. They, they had a chance to win all their games if they had a field goal kicker. Now let's look at the, the Vikings' last 13 games following a win. They don't respond well. 4-9 against the spread. Cleveland, by the way, they do travel well. 5-1 against the spread in the last six. It's a different Cleveland team, guys. Cleveland's going to be able to run the ball here. Cleveland is getting healthy. Cleveland is going to be able to have some success offensively. But they can be run on. And if Dalvin Cook is healthy, which it doesn't look like he is, I would be all over the Vikings. In this spot, you almost have to lean the Browns. I can't go near it. Look, it's a pick spread for a reason. It's a road game for a reason. I can't go near the Browns, but I get the understanding. I get why people are looking at the Browns and saying, yeah, that makes some sense. How about Washington Falcons? Uh, look, this is another pick em game. It was Washington minus one. Now it's Falcons minus one. I know I saw it back to pick them. They're both one and two. They're both in a bad way defensively. And that's weird to say about Washington because Washington was supposed to come in with all this great defense. And I bought into that too. They're also not using Antonio Gibson the way that we thought. He's only getting about 63, 64% of the snaps, even though he's productive in them. They're forcing JD McKissick down people's throat. Uh, Terry McLaren is in a world by himself, but he needs a running mate. Maybe Samuel comes back and is that. The Falcons, by the way, Pitts isn't getting any looks. Ridley's having a bad year. Matt Ryan's laying on his back. The offense I thought would be okay, and the defense I was concerned about. Well, the defense is still a concern, but the offense is just not very good. Washington comes in 1-5 over the last six against the spread. The Falcons are 8-2 and two against the spread with a losing record at home you know, I got to go Washington. If you believed in Washington to start the year, and I did, you have to believe that this defense is going to find their rhythm. And if there's a team to find their rhythm against, it might be the Falcons. On the other side, on the flip side, Matt Ryan at home throughout his career has been dangerous. And I've seen spurts of Matt Ryan looking dangerous. He's got to find Pitts and Ridley more. And if they can, look, those are nightmare problems, matchup problems, even for a Washington team who doesn't have the greatest corners. And that's the one area you could uh, take advantage. Ridley should have a huge game here if the Falcons have a chance to win. 
Let's talk Colts, Dolphins. Colts, backs against the wall. They have 0-4 staring them in the face. The Dolphins are 1-2, but, oh, man, they should be 2-1. They should have won that game against the Raiders. They came back from a big deficit. They won an 11-0 run in the fourth quarter. They forced overtime. It looked like the Dolphins were going to win, and that's why the Dolphins are a small favorite here. One and a half or two-point favorite. Carson Wentz doesn't look healthy, right? And as of right now, we don't know if he's going to play. Uh, but he was just 19-37 for less than 200 yards anyway. On the other side, Jacoby Brissett is under center. And Jacoby Brissett gives his team a little bit more of a, of a spark, it seems. Frank Reich said Quentin Nelson doesn't look good to play this week. That's a massive blow against this Dolphins defense. Carson Wentz, we're not sure. Miami 6-1 against the spread the last seven home games. 12-2 against the spread the last 14 games following a straight-up loss. Miami needs this win almost as much as the Colts need the win. But betting against an 0-3 team in the NFL is just a disaster situation waiting to happen. I would not recommend it. I, you know, I don't like betting against 0-3 teams. But Miami has a lot of things that I like. I think Miami's a lot better. By the way, Fuller spreading the field. I know he dropped the touchdown, but Fuller, uh, Fuller spreading the field is exactly what they want. Waddle looks incredibly good. All of a sudden, Mike Gazeki looks good, and they have a little bit of an offense. Hey, you want to talk about offense? Sure, let's talk offense. The Bills are crushing it. And the Bills, look, this opened up in a 17-point favorite. It's down to 16 because you can't lay double digits in the NFL, and you can't lay 17 to anybody. They take on the Texans. They're welcoming to Western New York. And look, this is the biggest spread of week four, the biggest spread of the season, and it might be the biggest spread we see all season long. Josh Allen, I was getting worried. Look, I'm in a dynasty league that I care massively about, right? I, I mean, I really do care about this, this dynasty league. And Josh Allen is my quarterback in dynasty. I've had him for three years now. He's my guy. And I've watched him grow up to be, all right, I'll throw a dollar and take this guy because I kind of like him into MVP caliber. The first two weeks worried me. And I said, you know, all right, he's played good defenses. He's a, He didn't have to do much against Miami. I get it, but I need that breakout game. 358 yards, four touchdowns, and rushing for another touchdown. Yeah, 43 points against Washington. Here's the breakout, Josh Allen. Here we go again. On the other side, Davis Mills scored nine points against Carolina. He's a rookie with a limited playbook, making his first true road start in a hostile environment like this. This is tough. Buffalo, all the way. Uh, also, by the way, they stay hot after wins. The last nine games following a straight-up win, when they blew an opponent out by two touchdowns or more, they're 7-1-1 against the spread. It's a massive spread, but this is bills or nothing to me. And finally, I'm getting firmly onto my soapbox here because the Bears are three-point favorites over the 0-3 Lions. Let's talk about the Bears. Because there's nothing to talk about the Lions. Lions were feisty. Look, oh man, they should have lost that game. They should have won that game. They shouldn't have lost because Jason Tucker, uh, Justin Tucker hit a 66-yard field goal at the end of the game. How about the fact that Hollywood Brown missed two easy touchdowns? The Lions played well. They played inspired, but they've done that for three games and they're still 0-3. They find ways to lose. Teams like this find ways to lose. But this is not about the Lions today. This is strictly about my feelings on the Chicago Bears and Matt Nagy because everyone in Chicago seems united on fire Matt Nagy. And I'm telling you, don't fire him. Do not fire him. Not because I like him. Not because I think he's successful. Not because I feel bad for him. No, because it's tough for a rookie quarterback to come into a situation and learn a playbook and learn a system anyway. Now you'd be asking Justin uh, Fields to do it 
three times in one calendar year. Because look, he's he's in the naggy situation right now, right? Then you bring in an interim coach for, let's say if they fired him this week, you know, you bring in an interim coach for the next, what, 13, 14 games, whatever it might be. Then so that he's got to learn that playbook and that system and that head coach and that what he does. Then they hire a new coach and he starts next year with a brand new coach. You're giving a guy three head coaches in a calendar year in his rookie season. It's bad for Justin Fields to have Matt Nagy fired, even though Matt Nagy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Okay. Justin Fields was sacked nine times. Nine times. The offensive line is atrocious, okay? But I will say this, look, one of my problems with Justin Fields in the draft was he holds on to the ball too long. And you could go back, you could go play the tape. I was ecstatic when the Bears got him, but when I was evaluating Justin Fields for the, you know, before the draft, we talked to Tony Pauline, we had guys on, and I said, you know, I see him holding the ball too long. Yeah, that was the problem. And we saw some of that last week, okay? The question is, is is it really Matt Nagy or is it not? And I'm saying, yes, it is. They generated 47 yards of offense. They threw 20 passes from Justin Fields 13 times. They only had five-man protection. Rex Ryan was said that, and he said he wouldn't even do that to Brady. Like, if he had Brady, he would never put just five-man protection that many times because you don't get the extra guy, and this is with, with Justin Fields. Now, the Bears have never fired a coach in the middle of the season, okay? And this is very early, but it is crystal clear to Chicago Bear fans, Matt Nagy is not the answer. He's just not the answer. Justin Fields had the lowest completion percentage since Nathan Peterman. Matt Nagy's not the answer. And before you say, you know what, uh, well, maybe it's a lot of Fields, let's be honest. Mitch Trubinsky was ruined by Matt Nagy. This Bears offense was bad under Nick Foles, the hand-picked guy of Matt Nagy. The Bears offense was bad under Daniels. The Bears offense was bad under Andy Dalton. How many times do we have to just continue to roll out quarterbacks before we realize the problem is Matt Nagy? That's who the problem is. Make no mistake, that is exactly what the situation is. So we could sit back, we could take a second, we could say whatever you want, but the reality is, guys, this is the truth. Matt Nagy has to go. Just don't think he should go right now. You know, keep the eye to the future, right? Keep the eye to, all right, maybe Brian Dable, maybe Orion. You know, keep your eye to the future, Eric Bieniemy. But right now, Matt Nagy is best for this team because it's best for Justin Fields' development. Since we have an eye to the future, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. future. Bet to the future. We're going to stay with the college theme now. Hey, who are you taking to make the NCAA playoffs after Ohio State lost to the Ducks? You have some shakeup, some teams not looking exactly very good. Well, Alabama is still minus 700 to make the playoffs. Georgia, they're about minus 300. Oklahoma is minus 200. Clemson is about even money now, even after their loss. Ohio State about even money. Oregon plus 300. Iowa plus 600. Penn State's plus 700. And Notre Dame was at plus 1,200. They're all the way down to plus 800 with a big weekend on tap here for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And that is bet to the future. 
Uh, big weekend in college. I, yeah, I know we didn't have time today with uh, the baseball and uh, with with all of the NFL action, but I'm telling you, college is getting real exciting all of a sudden. So keep an eye on that this weekend if you want my leans. Um, you know, I, I don't go for the big games. I look, I know everybody likes the big games, and they're obviously the games that everybody wants to talk about. The Notre Dame game is a game I, I wouldn't touch if you kind of gave me money. I mean, I lean, I guess, Cincinnati. Uh, just because of the two weeks off, but I'm not touching that game. Alabama should win, but I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, score like 80 points again, which might, they might need to cover a 14 and a half point spread. I think Arkansas plays Georgia real tough, real tough. But I think at the end they come away with a win. Oklahoma's going to K State. Now I'm a, I'm a guy that look. I think K State puts a good product on the field. I think that they are a very good team this year. But Oklahoma should come away with a win again, 10 and a half, a little bit of a high spread. So. I'm not going to go near any of that. You know, I like the underrated kind of teams. I'm looking at like Fresno State uh, going to the island of Hawaii, laying only 10 against a defense that couldn't stop me and like three of my friends. So I like the underground teams, but we'll get into more college as the season progresses and as as we move on. But I got to get into college. I got to get into the NFL here week four. Seattle Niners division matchup. Seattle is a team that looked great and then kind of has fallen off the cliff. A little bit of bad luck in week two. Week three just didn't kind of show up. But in their last 19, by the way, the Niners are, are a three-point favorite here. But in the last 19 meetings, Seattle's 13-5-1 against the spread. Russell Wilson, who had a lot of success against Zimmer and it didn't work out well last week, which tells you, look, trends are meant to be broken. Uh, he absolutely does really well against the Niners. And we see that they play twice a year and he's just owned them 35-1 against the spread. The Niners, though, look, this is a team that has problems running the ball. And not only problems running the ball, they're having scheming problems as well. I love the idea of getting Kyle Juszczyk involved, but that means that you're not believing in guys like Trey Sermon catching the ball out of the backfield. All right, I can buy that. Brandon Ayuk is finally becoming a part of the offense. All right, all right, start slow in spring. I can buy that. I cannot understand at all why George Kittle is running such little routes. He's not in the top 10 in the NFL in routes run, receiving routes run by a tight end. They finally started to use him a little last week, but I get that he's a superior blocker and that does you know, kind of keep him in. But Shanahan just doesn't look like the offensive genius this year. He just doesn't. On the other hand, this is kind of one of those get-right games, right? You're going up against an opponent that you know. You're going up against a team in Seattle where offensively they're they're fine, but defensively they're a mess. They're coming off of, you know, heartbreaking losses. Seattle is in a prime position to basically just get buried here in this really tough division. This is an interesting game. Let's keep it with the West. Cardinals at Rams, 3-0 or 3-0, yet Rams are 6.5-point favorites. Everybody saw the Rams and Stafford, and now Stafford's the MVP, and McVay's running into the tunnel, and they beat Tom Brady. National TV, we all saw that. So I expected an inflated line. But in this 3-0 division battle, 3-0, 3-0, I didn't expect nearly a touchdown, right? I didn't expect that. Last week, Arizona had some problems with Jacksonville early on. But those problems, I think, were a little overinflated. Look, 109-yard kick return for a touchdown off of a missed field goal. That's eh, a little fluky. I think we could say that's fluky, right? The Cardinals, though, they just are a poor team 
against the Rams. So the Cardinals look good. Look, DeAndre Hopkins was banged up. He's going to be okay. Their offense is fine. Murray will be fine. We know what they have this year. Explosive. Jones is coming off the corner. Why? They're explosive. This is a Cardinals team that if they win this game, you're going to open up eyes. You're going to hear people go, okay, wait, it's their time. But the Cardinals just have been brutal, brutal against the Rams. Since Kingsbury's taken over for Arizona's coach in 2019, he's 0-4 against McVay. The Cardinals are 0-7-1 against the spread against the Rams in his last eight. So this precludes uh, uh, Kingsbury. This goes before Cliff. The favorite, by the way, 9-1-1 the last 11 matchups. Everything points to the Rams. In four career games against the Rams, Murray has averaged 11 rushing yards per game. He usually averages about 40. He averages about three and a half yards per carry, which is, he usually averages about six yards per carry. And he's had under 200 passing yards at 187. He's also thrown four picks. I mean, Murray is fantastic. And Murray is MVP caliber. And everybody's loving Murray. I get it. Guys, the numbers are right there. That the Rams just own, own, own this Cardinals team. If the Cardinals want to take the step up in competition, and the Cardinals want to be taken serious, and the Cardinals are looking at a division, and the Cardinals might want to talk Super Bowl, you got to win this game. The Rams are coming off of a massive emotional, emotional game. And I told you that about Baltimore last week, which is why I didn't take them against the Lions. They're coming off an emotional game. The letdown might be here. And it's McVay's problem to make sure that they don't let down. All right, Steelers, Packers. Steelers are one and two miraculously because they should be 0 3. They shouldn't beat Buffalo. And the Packers are two and one. Uh, you know, you could say they should be one and two because Aaron Rodgers at 37 seconds drove down the field and won that game. The Steelers, though, look, they're banged up. Ben Roethlisberger's done. Watt is banged up. Deontay Johnson's banged up. Juju's banged up. Uh, they have defensive tackle problems banged up. They have middle linebacker problems banged up. Pittsburgh's 3-7 and seven against the spread in the last 10 games. The Packers, by the way, 5-2 and two against the spread in their last 7 overall. Packers are at home. All of a sudden, Rodgers looks like he actually cares. Looks like he cares. The Packers should be a lot bigger favorite than just a touchdown. The Packers should absolutely crush the Steelers. But there's something in Pittsburgh that is that pride factor. You know, there's just something there uh, that keeps the public from just loading up on the Packers in this spot. Ben Roethlisberger might be done, but Najee Harris isn't. And they have a a system there. He got 19 passes thrown to him. They're going to try to run the ball. Johnson might try to suit up this week. Juju might try to suit up this week. You still have Claypool, who's dangerous. Uh, I love this, this tight end. I mean, they have some things there. And if the defense can kind of get some more pressure on him, I can see the Packers watching Aaron Rodgers get frustrated back there. I just don't know why the line's only seven. It's a weird spot. Hey, I talked about the Ravens. Let's go back to that Ravens. Look, Denver is a two-point favorite here at home against the Ravens. But the Broncos are the most fraudulent 3-0 team ever. I like what Teddy Bridgewater is doing. Teddy looks good, right? He's attempted the third most deep passes through week three. He's got 18 attempts at 20 or more yards. Only trails Lamar and Derek Carr. I mean, he looks great. But let's be honest. This is a fraudulent team. The Broncos have played three teams that are atrocious. Okay, they're just bad teams. Okay, Jets and Jaguars last two weeks. That's all you need to say. Baltimore 6-1 against the spread the last seven games. The public 
Uh, they love the Broncos here. The Broncos' opponents, by the way, 0-9 overall record. So it's not just the last two weeks, okay? And the Broncos might be down seven starters for the game. Judy's out, Hamler's out, Reisner's out, Glasnow's out, Darby, maybe Chubb, maybe Ju- I th- This team is is just in shambles. So the public loves the Broncos. They are at home. They are 3-0, and Teddy Bridgewater is playing really well. But they have a lot of injuries. They've played a garbage competition. This is their week. And you look at the Ravens. Look, you knew that there was going to be an emotional letdown coming off of that game. You, you just knew coming off of that kind of game, there was going to be some kind of emotional letdown. But to struggle with the Lions, even in a game where Brown should have caught some touchdown, struggle with the Lions, that's alarming. It's a little bit alarming. I'm going to skip over here to the Monday night game. Raiders charges on Monday night. Raiders are about a three and a half point underdog. They are 3-0. Chargers look really good. Look, they again, here's the emotional letdown factor. They just beat the Chiefs. Justin Herbert looked fantastic. The road team in this series is 4-1 against the spread. You expect a lot of points. This is a prove-it game for the Raiders. Up until this point, you're looking at the Raiders and you're saying, all right, you're doing some nice things. Derek Carr looks pretty good, but I still don't buy into you. By the way, their cornerbacks are playing out of their mind, but I'm still not buying into you. I don't buy into you, Raiders. You got to show me a spot where it's not up against a beat-down uh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers team. It's not against a team in the Ravens that have a million injuries. No. Show me something. Not against Miami, which you need overtime. Show me something. Well, here's the show-me game. Monday night football against the Chargers, against Justin Herbert for a chance to go to 4-0. If the Raiders win this game, you have our attention. Speaking of attention, I think we can call the Bucks and Patriots here, which the line opened up at five and a half and it's already up to seven. I think by game time, it's going to be seven and a half, eight, maybe nine. I think we can call this game the most anticipated regular season game in the history of the NFL. I don't think I'm overshooting it. I don't think I'm selling it. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm talking in hyperbole. This is the most anticipated regular season game in the history of the NFL. Brady versus Belichick. You're going to hear a lot of stuff this week, a lot of conversation, a lot of... Look, it's going to be hyped up. This is a crazy, crazy game. The public is pounding Tampa Bay like I don't even know if we've ever seen. I don't know if sports books have ever seen. I spoke to two sports book directors this week, and I, and I heard from another, um, I, I follow him on Twitter, that they can't find a single bet coming in on the Patriots. It's just not happening. It's unbelievable. The Bucks, by the way, 5-0 against the spread after straight-up loss. Patriots are 2-5 against the spread last seven. New England's offense has looked, ah, ah, pretty weak. But you know what? Tampa Bay's defense has looked bad. And there is that idea that nobody's kind of touching on, is that Tampa Bay's defense looked bad. Brady looks good. Gronk looks good. Godwin looks good. Evans is fine. But they don't have a running game. I think that's a fair assessment. And their defense just looks bad. You know, you, we could go into the conversation of, of who is who, right? Who who made who? And a lot of people this week are going to hear about Brady. Why? Because Brady left, Brady won a championship, and Brady's team is better than New England. That That's reality, right? That's just reality. Brady's team is better than New England, okay? And Brady has a championship. So it's going to be pile on Bill time. Bill Belichick, in eight seasons without Brady, uh, Belichick missed the playoff seven times. He had a losing record on two of those teams. Okay, uh, he was ten and five in Matt Castle's year, but let's be 
honest look that was right after you know right surrounding an 18 and 0 roster right 50 touchdowns um castle only had 21 belichick went 5 and 11 then was 0 and 2 before brady took over maybe that was a year that he would have gotten fired and he would have been defensive coordinator for the rest of his life maybe so there's going to be the pile on bill but i will say this about bill belichick he is still a defensive genius still and maybe he can't get Mac Jones to play the level he needs to. And James White being out of this game, that is a rough blow for them. Jacoby Myers might have 18 targets and 62 yards. I mean, that, that's just the nature of the beast. And his offensive line hasn't really held up. And the two tight end combination hasn't really looked good early on. And things offensively aren't looking good. But man, Bill could play some defense. And it is kind of Brady against Bill. Oftentimes we go, you know, and the Manning brothers talked about this. Uh, you know, where it's Eli against this. No, 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 no. We're both playing quarterback. We're never on the field together. You know, we, we don't do that. Well, Belichick hangs his hat on defense and Brady is the offensive player that he's trying to stop. So this is one against one. And I will say this about Bill Belichick. Tom Brady is going to come in there with a much more talented roster, with a healthier team with a team that is supposed to win now. Everybody's crushing them. If Tom Brady walks into New England and he wins this game 40 to 10, anybody anybody going to be shocked? Does this hurt Belichick's legacy? No. You know what? It's the better team. And he lost to the greatest quarterback of all time with potentially the best roster very potentially a back-to-back Super Bowl championship. I mean, nobody's going to be upset. Nobody's going to be shocked. This is what it is. But if Belichick can shut down Brady and Belichick can stop this talented offense and Belichick can put the screws to Tom Brady, that's the story. That will just tarnish so many of the things that Brady just did by winning a championship, at least in his eyes, because we know he holds a grudge. So this is a weird case where the home team and the home coach and the most celebrated, decorated, and respected coach potentially in the history of the NFL has nothing to lose. He'll feel like he does, but he really doesn't. He's almost playing with house money. Everybody expects, you'll you'll see the Monday Night Football panel, or I'm sorry, the uh, Sunday Night Football panel. You'll see everybody pick Tampa Bay. Everybody's running to the window for Tampa Bay. People are going to line up Tampa Bay. And if Tampa Bay wins, okay, that's about right. But if Bill wins, this is a weird position for him. He's not expected to win. And if he wins, that will be the story that the underdog, Bill Belichick, and the underdog, New England Patriots in prime time at home the underdog Patriots weird scenario that would be the story they beat and they topple big bad Brady they beat and they topple the defending Super Bowl champs they could send the Bucks to the same record as the Patriots now I'm not telling you I think it happens, right? I mean, this is a game where I circled and I said, man, I, you know, Brady's going to crush him. But I don't like this rising line. I don't like that. And I, the one thing I've learned, you don't bet against Brady, but you often don't bet against Bill. I don't go against Bill 
and I don't go against Bill at home, and I don't go against Bill in a game that means so much more to him than he will ever let on. I mean, this is the most anticipated regular season game in the history of the NFL. We get to see it this weekend, guys. It's going to be a great weekend. All right. Thank you again to Frank Thomas. I'm Tom Bard for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.